0: Support for Innovation Hub comes from Bunker Hill Community College Compelling Conversation Series with Kareem Abdul-Jabbar on Religious Intolerance, October 26th. You can register at bhcc.edu cc. Support for Innovation Hub comes from Cambridge Savings Bank. Introducing the CSB1 package, a checking account combined with investing through Connect Invest to help you build a better tomorrow. cambridgesavings.com slash csb1. Welcome to Innovation Hub. I'm Kara
1: Miller. Assume you get a monetary windfall, not a big windfall, but something that, you know, might put a smile on your face. Forty dollars, say. What is the best way to spend that money to maximize your happiness? It may not surprise you that even though all of us want to be happier, we often make terrible decisions about how to spend our money. Ashley Willen studies how we spend and what kinds of decisions boost our quality of life. She's an assistant professor of business administration at Harvard Business School. Ashley, welcome. Thank you so much. So first, um, let's look at that question of whether a modest amount of money can buy some happiness, uh, which you just looked at in the study. So if you have that $40 and you want to maximize the happiness that you'll get out of it, what are the various sort of approaches that you can take?
0: Yeah, so we asked a group of 100 working adults at a science museum in Canada, if we gave you 40 bucks, how would you spend this money on a Saturday or Sunday to promote happiness? And we found that most people said that they would buy stuff for themselves, they would go clothes shopping, some people said that they would go out for a meal, some people said that they would donate that money, and a very, very small percentage of people said that they would use that money to save themselves time by, like, hiring a house cleaner or getting someone to mow their lawn. And then when we actually ran an experiment where we gave a group of working adults, 60 working adults, $40, and we told them in one weekend that they had to spend this $40 on stuff, and then the next weekend had to spend that money in a way that would save them time, house cleaning, lawn mowing, getting a meal out, we saw that people who spent money on time-saving purchases, so on the weeks where they made that purchase, they spent 40 bucks to save themselves time, they reported greater end-of-day happiness and less stress than when they bought a material purchase for themselves. So our studies together suggest that people don't do a very good job of knowing what's going to make them happier. They think that they should be spending that $40 to buy themselves clothes or sneakers, something cool, And what we actually find is that the very few people in our sample who said that they would spend that money on time, when we actually give people money, that those people are better off.
1: How do you measure happiness, by the way?
0: One of the best ways of measuring how happy someone is is by asking them. We're very good at knowing how we're feeling. So we ask people, how happy are you feeling? And this tracks with more objective measures, even economic growth. So there's been a lot of research validating the self-report measures that we use in our study. Do we know anything about
1: short-term happiness versus long-term happiness? Because
0: if I go out and buy a shirt, I may be
1: moderately happy today, (laughs) but I mean, I can wear it for a long time, presumably.
0: Yeah. So, I mean, in the context of our studies, we found that people who buy time, they report greater overall life satisfaction. Uh So it seems that these mood benefits that we get from spending money on time-saving purchases seem to accumulate And then promote greater overall life satisfaction over time.
1: So if people are overall happier who, you know, hire somebody to clean their house or hire somebody to mow their lawn, than people who go out and just like buy a pair of earrings or buy some boots or whatever it is, why don't more of us do the like paying somebody for their services kind of thing rather than buying the stuff kind of
0: thing? We're studying this question right now because it's fascinating. In our research, we surveyed over 800 millionaires, and those are clearly people who can afford to to pay for time-saving services. And just over half of those millionaires said that they spent money to save themselves time. So even among people who can clearly afford it, Mm -hmm. there seems to be this something getting in the way of us spending money to Mm -hmm. save time. And so there's a couple of different things that I think are going on. The first, and this may be no surprise to (laughs) anyone listening, is that we're not very good planners. We always think we're going to have more time tomorrow than we do today. Mm. There's been research that has studied this effect, um, and they call it the yes, damn effect. (laughs) Meaning, (laughs) I always say yes to things, but then when that time actually comes, oh, shoot, like, I really shouldn't have said yes to that. Why did I think I was going to have enough time to, you know, as an academic, write that book chapter or get on that plane or and I'm among (laughs) the many
1: people who do this. Well, because if you ask me something and the thing is in four months, I'm like, well, sure, because, well, A, that'll never come. And B, I'm sure in four months I'll have things better figured out than I have them figured out today. But of course, four months hence, I'm exactly the same person as I am right now. And then I still have to do that thing.
0: Exactly. And so time-saving purchases require a bit of future planning. It requires us to know that we're going to be busy next Saturday, that we're going to be so busy that maybe it would be helpful to have someone clean our house instead of us doing it ourselves. And so that's one reason just asking people in our our research, just getting people to think that they'll be as busy tomorrow as they are today encourages people to buy time-saving services.
1: I'm Karen Miller. This is Innovation Hub. I'm talking with Ashley Willins, an assistant professor at Harvard Business School and co-author of a study looking at when money does and does not buy us happiness. There's one category of stuff we didn't really talk about. So we talked about buying things, physical things you can just take home with you and enjoy. um, But that doesn't seem to make you nearly as happy as like having a clean house. How about the experiences? Like, okay, I've got $40. $40 is enough for a nice meal for me and somebody else. Let's go out. And, I mean, it won't save me any time. In fact, it'll take time. But it, it's like a fun thing to do.
0: Yeah. So there's been a lot of past research showing that experiential purchases, going out to a really nice meal, going to the movies, are good for happiness. Hmm. We're not saying that buy, you know buying experiences is not as good for happiness as time-saving purchases. But... I think that time-saving purchases are a more overlooked category of spending, whereas most research and most people think about buying themselves into positive experiences. Most people don't think about spending money to buy themselves out of negative experiences like cleaning. Right, or, like
1: my sink is full and
0: this is – every time I go buy it, I think, oh, man, you know, yeah, kind of thing. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Right. And so right. our research is some of the first to, to look at this question and say, not only can we use money to buy ourselves into positive experiences, we can also use our discretionary income to buy ourselves out of negative experiences. And that also promotes happiness. I'm
1: interested in how different kinds of people make decisions about money. Um, are there specific examples you can give where wealthier people and poorer people make different kinds of decisions about money?
0: So there are some examples where people with less money actually are more likely to buy durable goods. They're more likely to buy things for their home, to buy clothes, to buy purchases. And that's because you can have that right now. That's Mm -hmm. a very certain purchase. So if you don't have very much money, maybe you're worried about making an investment of an experience. You might be, what if that meal isn't good? Maybe then I could have spent that That $40 on something practical. There's some inherent uncertainty with these other kinds of ways you can spend money. And so people with less money want to make more certain purchases and material purchases are more certain. Hmm. Do
1: you see differences around other, uh, you know, like do people as they age make different kinds of decisions about money and happiness?
0: Yeah. So there. some of our research shows that older individuals are more likely to give up money in order to have time. So it seems they recognize the value of their time more so than the rest of us. They're getting wiser over time. Exactly. They're realizing what is paying off for them. Mm-hmm. It's interesting about
1: this whole concept of uh, saving time and the potential perils of it because things like dishwashers and microwaves, they were originally marketed. The whole idea was this is going to save you so much time. Um, and not that it hasn't saved people a lot of time, but nobody really seems to be in touch with right, that time yes. saving. I mean, they've just sort of moved on. That, that's that been incorporated into their lives and they still feel really busy. We got used to it. Right. This right. is Hedonic adaptation. But, but will that happen if you hire somebody to clean your house? It could. And you'll just like, you, at the beginning, you're like, this is amazing. My house is so clean. I don't have to do anything. And then after a while, you know, you expect it. And it's, I, I wonder if just like the
0: happiness diminishes. It's totally possible. We see that effect with a lot of things. When you start a new exercise program, when you join a club, you get all the benefits right mm-hmm. up front. Mm-hmm. And one thing that my collaborators and I have talked about is if you get a weekly house cleaning service match that service with an activity like a hobby in which you're constantly learning hmm. so then not only are you having your house cleaned but you're also pairing it with an experience or an activity that's positive in which you could experience increasingly you know increasing returns on that on that investment like learning a new language or playing the guitar so you mean it's buying you time to like
1: learn French or something, and then you realize, like, all this time has bought me this ability to get better and better at this language.
0: So if you use money to buy time and then use that time in a very deliberate and thoughtful way, that's probably when you're going to get the most benefit over the long run.
1: Do people who are salaried workers think differently about money than people who are hourly workers? And like hourly workers could go all the way from working in in, you know, um a fast food restaurant to being a very high paid lawyer who makes hundreds of dollars an hour but still they're not salaried right i just wonder if that makes you think differently about time if like every 10 minutes or every half hour or something is compensated simply you know in these little chunks
0: yes so salaried workers and hourly workers do think about their time in very different ways we have one one paper showing that just reminding people about the economic value of their time makes them less likely to help the environment even if it takes Five minutes to fill out a petition Mm. or to a little bit longer to recycle. So Mm. just even the act of thinking about the economic value of time makes people want to be less social, makes people want to be less pro-social. In the context of buying time, hourly wage workers, both at the higher and lower income spectrum, are less likely to give up money in order to have more time. Probably again because they say they're thinking. Right. I know exactly how much my time is worth. <laughs> That's right. And I can do this myself and save myself X dollars. Right.
1: See, I think a lot of people think. Look, the reason that I'm cleaning my bathroom and not hiring somebody to clean my bathroom is because I have a job and I work. Let's say five days a week, as many people do. I have Saturdays and Sundays off, and uh, you know, I mean, either I can clean it for free. Or I can pay somebody and then I just have less money to do whatever, including like save for retirement. And you know what I mean? And Saturday, nobody compensates me for my time. So my time is free and I might as well use it to do something useful. What's wrong with that way of thinking?
0: I think that's a fair point. But I think you should think about almost your discretionary income as a portfolio. So setting aside a certain amount of money every month that you're going to spend on whatever it is you want. And that's your discretionary income. That doesn't come out of the pot of money that you're going to spend on retirement savings. And then thinking about that pot of money, it's easy to think, oh, well, I should, you know, it's easy to get caught up in online shopping or to spend, be not very deliberate about what we how we spend that discretionary income. And so I think our research points to the idea that we need to sit down with our discretionary income every month and budget for time-saving purchases, budget for experiences, and maybe instead of thinking about this is what I spend and this is what I save, still do that, say this is what I'll spend and this is what I'll save. But in that spending category, being more deliberate and thoughtful about the kinds of different spending choices that you'll make to promote happiness.
1: Do you feel like you can change people? If if people, if, if you know from many studies that time will generally make you, if you have time, that'll be make you happier than just having a pile of money with no time. Um, are you able to convince people that, you know, I think you could spend your money in a far more effective way?
0: I don't know the the answer to this based mm-hmm. on the data that I have. But I imagine when something feels good, we're more likely to do it. Mm-hmm. So Asking people to shift their behavior, giving them $40 maybe as part of our study, or asking people to think about these trade-offs in a more deliberate way so that people are maybe living closer to work and spending a bit more money on rent, but then not having a commute. And thinking about how their daily choices are either giving them more money or giving them more time, people tell me now, even after reading the, the research that we've done, that this has shaped the way that I mm. think about the, the spending decisions I make. Mm. Because not only is, you know, are the spending decisions that I make on a daily basis affecting my money, but so often they're affecting how much time I have. What is the quality of that time? Mm. And so I think through slowly changing our behavior, we may then come to value time more than money taking a toll bridge and saving a few minutes stuck in traffic every day. Small decisions over time in which we're giving up money to have more free time Mm -hmm. may then inform what we care about and in turn change our values.
1: Ashley Willens is an assistant professor of business administration at Harvard Business School. She's the co-author of a study looking at the value of buying free time. Ashley, thanks so much for coming in. Thanks for having me.
0: If you've got money, honey, I've got
1: got a link to Ashley Willen's paper on the value of time, plus coverage of her study in the Washington Post. That's at our website, innovationhub.org.
0: Bring along your Cadillac, leave my old wreck behind. If you've got money, honey, Support for Innovation Hub comes from Dana-Farber Cancer Institute, working to unleash the immune system's power to fight cancer and help develop promising new therapies. Videos, white papers, and patient stories are available at discovercarebelieve.org.